the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Thank you, Craig. It is uh, 5.07 on the Central Coast. It is Friday, December 15th, 2023. Dave Congleton with you. Uh, Kristen Becker in about an hour. She's a divorce coach. She'll help you through your divorce. Uh, This hour, today is many things, not the least of which it is National Bill of Rights Day. I know that because attorney Stu Jenkins joins me in studio. He's all dressed up. Well, you know, I, I, we come in uniform. Yeah, yeah normally you're a slob, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Happy National Bill of Rights Day. Is that what we say? That should be what we say. And uh, this is a good day and a good week when all the kids are home from school to sit down and go through the Bill of Rights with them. You know, there's, there's not civics classes anymore. Why is this today? What happened? Well, what happened was that in... 1791, on December 15th, Virginia became the final state necessary to ratify the Bill of Rights. The 12, there were 12 Bill of Rights presented by Congress to the states, um, and 10 of them got ratified as of 1791 on December 15th. Now, um, I'm sure everybody remembers that uh, the Constitution became effective when it was ratified by New Hampshire on June 21st, 1788. Uh, but so it, that was the ninth state to ratify the U.S. Constitution. But New York and Virginia had both ratified it only on condition that Congress, the first Congress, would present a Bill of Rights to the states. And so it was a conditional ratification, and the nation would not have been able to form unless there was a promise made to put a Bill of Rights in the Constitution. I got a squarely question for you. Sure. Uh, yeah. We all know about the 13 colonies. Yes. What became the 14th? And the 15th. Yeah. Well, um, after the Constitution was ratified, uh, New Hampshire and a, not, not New Hampshire, Ver- Vermont was admitted and Kentucky was admitted. See, that's why he's a great guest. I can throw him a curve. And, he doesn't blink. And, <laughs> and and so by the time the Bill of Rights were being ratified, you actually had a couple of extra states. Hmm. So why only 10 of 12? Why not 12 for 12? Because the way the Constitution is set up, you have to have a significant majority uh, in order to ratify a change to the Constitution. You have to get three-fifths just to to submit it, and then you've got to get two-thirds, or I might ha- even have that reversed. So you, you might have stumped me, Dave. <laughs> but, but the whole idea is the Constitution is supposed to be hard to amend, and uh, uh, that way we have a stable framework for our government to uh, work in. I mean, we're still working on the Equal Rights Amendment, and that started in the 1970s. It did. And And they're still trying to pass it. And and unlike the first 12 amendments that were proposed, Congress actually set a deadline on it. 
So it has to be reauthorized for the states to even consider it. Hmm. Whereas um, when, when James, James Madison proposed, he actually proposed 17 amendments to the Constitution because in, in the Virginia Convention, uh, he had actually opposed having a Bill of Rights in the National Con uh, Constitution because he thought that uh, the people retained the, those rights and all of the states had their own individual uh, bills of rights. Uh, but he couldn't get it through the Virginia Constitutional Convention hmm. um, because Patrick Henry opposed the whole idea. And what he kept pushing out was there's no Bill of Rights. There's no Bill of Rights in this proposed national constitution. And so finally, uh, in order to get the delegates to vote for this uh, new national structure that would bind the nation together, James Madison promised to put together a Bill of Rights. And, and everybody knew he'd written the, most of the Constitution in the first place. And most of the Federalist Papers. And most of the Federalist Papers. And he kept that promise. And so, so this was uh, the fact that there was a Bill of Rights actually made the uh, Constitution valid. Stu Jenkins reminding us that today is National Bill of Rights Day. So what are we supposed to do today? How are we supposed to mark this? Well, if you've got a pocket version of the Constitution, it always comes with a Bill of Rights. Uh, you can go to the National Archives online. You can just uh, Google uh, the Bill of Rights or even James Madison's um, original Bill of Rights, and you can actually view the archival papers uh, in their original parchment color. Hmm. Uh, and, and you can even see the amendments that are made in the Senate. Um, the, the, of the 17 uh, proposals he had, uh, a number of them got consolidated because they decided this is too complex. Uh, we so religion, press, and assembly. We'll just put them all in one. That's right. That's right. They were all in, in, separate, <laughs> put them in one. separate separate amendments. And uh, the reasoning was that, um, uh, you know, that all all of the states had established religions, every one of them. And so the uh, idea of the religious of limiting Congress was to prevent Congress from interfering with the established religions in the states. Um, you had, uh, you know, some of the states had the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church, as their established religion. Some had the uh, Catholic religion. Up in the uh, Northeast, they had Congregationalists as established religions. Um, Georgia had a, it, it, Georgia was more liberal that just said that uh, no one could serve in any office who wasn't anything but a Protestant. <laughs> wow. Just as a side note, before I take the break, yeah. is I'm listening to you. I'm reminded, I don't think James Madison gets enough credit. Everybody talks about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, all legitimate. No, no beef with any of them. But James Madison, fourth president of the United States, his fingerprints are all over this. They are. And um, he, was, he was a young man during the Revolutionary War. Uh, and so he comes, into, uh, he comes into fruition once uh, 
once the states are formed, he's he's in the um, House of Burgesses or the the legislature of this new state of Virginia, and he's the one who pushes through uh, the right of conscience, the religious liberty that Jefferson wrote about. Jefferson's governor, but he can't get those kinds of things through. But uh, Matt, Madison is a good politician because he listens to people and he keeps his word. Uh, most folks don't think about this, but he was a cousin of Monroe and a cousin of Jefferson. And the first uh, significant gerrymandering in, a, in America happens when the constitutional conventions in each state are uh, proposed and the uh, Cong- you know the Congress as it existed under the Articles of Confederations proposes that there be a new constitutional convention and they come out with this odd theory that only nine states are needed to adopt this new constitution and those nine states will become a nation uh, which of course they they before that, you had to have unanimity, and Rhode Island, where my people come from, kept saying, no, we're not going to make a change. And uh, North Carolina, uh, if Rhode Island didn't say no, North Carolina said no. Hmm. And so uh, they, they're they having all these state constitutional conventions pursuant to um, this proposal, and Patrick Henry d- just does not want a national government because you know he's governor of the most powerful richest state in the in the new country they're all independent states they just kind of have a compact um, and and so he put Monroe and Madison in the same district for electing the uh, constitutional delegates and he made sure that the anti-federalist counties were in predominant in that district. And I wasn't at the patent map. <laughs> I was a patent map. Seventeen well, ninety. I read about that. It, it, it keeps coming back. Yeah, and, uh, that's right. But but you know what uh, what Madison did was he said I'm just going to go persuade people. And he got in a wagon with his cousin Monroe, and they rode all around the counties, and they debated this. Wherever they went, because they were cousins and and gentlemen, and uh, so he beat Monroe, and uh, that's why Monroe is the fifth president of the United States. I I will tell you. (laughs) Oh, did I flip him? Is it Madison then Monroe? It's Madison then Monroe. All right, I flipped them. Okay. All right, Stu Jenkins is here. It's uh, National Bill of Rights Day. We'll come back and continue the conversation. We're live. We're local. We're hometown radio. Just joining us, our guest is Attorney Stu Jenkins. It is National Bill of Rights Day. So Stu comes on and reminds us that we have a Bill of Rights, and it's worth fighting for, darn it. Uh, But in the first segment, you said that there were 12 amendments, 10 got approved. What were the two that didn't make it? The two that did not make it, uh, actually the very first amendment of the 12 uh, did not make it, and... That would have limited the number of people in a congressional district to 30,000 people until the uh, Congress reached the number 
of 100 representatives, then it could go up to 40,000 people when Cong until Congress reached 200, and then it could go up as regulated by Congress, but no more than 50,000 people in a district. And so that would have meant that today we would need uh, 7,000 representatives in the House of, House of Representatives. 7,000. And the Electoral <clears throat> College would become approximately 7,100. All right. What was the other one? <laughs> the... I'm not, I'm not going to debate that one. No, no, no. I, you know, and we have better communications now. Yeah. We don't need to ride by horseback anymore. Um, the other one was to make it so that members of the House and of the Senate could vote on a raise in their own pay, but they couldn't take the additional money as a salary until after there had been a general election for the House of Representatives. And that actually just lay out there for years and years and wasn't ratified until in um, 1992. The state of Michigan ratified it as the last state uh, to do so. There's some disagreement. New Jersey claims that as well. They ratified it on the same day, and it became the 27th Amendment to the Constitution. And that was why when Hillary Clinton became a member of the—when uh, she, she took the job as Secretary of State, there was this big hoo-ha because she had voted on the raise for the Secretary of State's office as senator— oh. And so there was a discussion about whether she would be able to take the uh, raise, and she decided the, to end the controversy. She said, I'm, I'm going to take the old figure. She had plenty of money coming in. <laughs> she did. I don't know. Uh, Stu Jenkins with us. All right, so given these amendments, what would you say was the biggest debate, the biggest controversy, the biggest disagreement among the delegates? Well, the biggest disagreement among the delegates, um, and um, most of the disagreement happened in the U.S. Senate because the Congress adopted all 17 proposals by uh, Madison, and they sent it over to the U.S. Senate. And so when you got to the U.S. Senate, there, here, here is what his Article 14 would have said it said no state not the congress no state shall infringe the right of trial by jury in criminal cases nor the right of conscience that's the right of religious freedom nor freedom of speech or of the press now think about the southern slave states that had laws against publishing papers that supported abolition right that was the biggest uh, biggest controversy and ultimately in their discussions the u.s senate took that out so that did not go to the public uh, for ratification in spite of the fact that uh, james madison said it was the very most important of the amendments 
because he said our, one of our problems is that states will be free to infringe all of these rights that are in our Bill of Rights. Um, but but he couldn't get that through, and, and in fact, it did not get through until the 14th Amendment, slightly reworded, uh, adopted that, and they changed the language. It said that no state would be able to infringe the privileges and immunities of a citizen of the United States, which interestingly enough was, was a the term that Madison started using later on when he was Secretary of State, uh, when he was negotiating or sending out instructions to negotiate treaties like the treaty where we purchased the Louisiana from uh, France, he made sure that that was part of the agreement, was that uh, uh, the privileges of citizens of the United States would be extended to all of the people in those states. What about the sequencing of the first 10? Why are they in the order that they're in? And is there anything to it? Well, uh, the the reason is the first two didn't get adopted uh, or ratified. And so the First Amendment uh, was a compilation of several of the other of the 17 he proposed because the right to free speech and press was in one place. The right of religion uh, was in another. And it's important to think about the right of religion. That This was uh, adopted so that Congress would not interfere with the, those established religions, but it would also not interfere with the free exercise of religion. Hmm. And over the course of decades, all of the states uh, ended up emphasizing the right of free exercise and so that evolved and by the time by the time of the civil war well almost the civil war you actually had several states not do away with their established religions until well one of them 1875 north carolina finally did away with its established religion in its constitution Stu Jenkins on this broadcast reminding us that today is National Bill of Rights Day. Off we go. We've got California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with time saver traffic and weather together. We'll talk more about the Bill of Rights and invite your thoughts as well. I also remind you that there, there is still another week to participate in the 7th Annual KVC Sock Drop. We've got the bin right here, right downstairs at 3620 Sacramento Drive, you can also take the socks to the Five Cities Homeless Coalition at 100 South 4th Street in Grover Beach. All the socks we gather go, go to help those in need at the Five Cities Homeless Coalition. Uh, we thank you in advance for your support of the 7th Annual KVC Sock Drop. Stick around for more of the Dave Congleton Show. conversation with attorney Stu Jenkins reminding us that today is a national bill of rights day. We just want to remind you about the bill of rights and how important they are and a little bit about how they came together. 
If you want to join us at any point, give us a call, shoot us a text, 805-543-8830. That should do it. We should talk a little bit about the Second Amendment because there's an interesting history to that whole discussion about guns. Well, there is. There is. And, um, you know, there are uh, constitutional commentators who basically say that the Second Amendment is connected to the jury trial, the voting. Um, You know, women uh, who had taken up arms in New Jersey had the vote. Um, right after the Revolutionary War. Because if they'd served in the militia, it was felt that they should, that they deserved to be able to participate. And um, so the Second Amendment uh, had a lot to do with individual freedom, but it also had to do with collective rights in states. And, um, you know, the we were forming a national government, and their fear was that the national government would become tyrannical. So the, an autocrat, an autocrat. Okay, that's right. Yeah. And and um, very few people remember this apparently, but uh, I was in the dorms at Cal Poly, uh, for instance, and uh, there was uh, rumors that Nixon was going to cancel the elections, and Governor Jerry Brown uh, announced publicly that he was the governor of California, and therefore he was the head of the California state militia, which at the time meant every young man from 16 to 65 and that he was going to call up the militia and march on Washington armed if the national elections were stopped. That does sound like the old Jerry Brown. It does. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if that quelled anything, but, uh, but, but it's kind of interesting. In the original proposal that Madison wrote, it says a well-regulated militia comprised of the body of the people being the best security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And then he adds, but no religiously scrupulous, no one religiously scrupulous of bearing arms shall be compelled to render military service. What? And and that part did not get through. Well, with all due respect to the Founding Fathers, obviously very intelligent. you think with that collective intelligence, they should could be something clear with the Second Amendment. You're allowed to have a gun. No one's allowed under any circumstances to take away your gun. Next. Instead of... <laughs> Instead of... What they... Well, yeah. You see my point? I do, I do. Because there's so much confusion, so much debate. Well, what does that mean, well-regulated uh, state militia? Just say... You're allowed to have a gun. Nobody can take it away, not even the government. Next. Well, and, and, and then what kind of gun? Mm. You know, the, do you need a flamethrower? Mm. Uh, that's a weapon. That's an arm. Yes, but the, the current Second Amendment doesn't discriminate. And, and it doesn't talk about guns. It talks about arms. Mm. You know, Benjamin Franklin proposed to the... Uh, Was that intentional? The right to bear arms? The right to bear arms. As opposed to own a gun? I hadn't thought about that. Well, you know, there were a lot of different kinds of arms at that time. Yeah. Ben Franklin proposed that the Continental uh, Army train people with bows and arrows because it was more efficient. <laughs> he, he didn't get that through. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the other things, um, one, of, one of the... 
the one other amendment did not get through even with consolidation, and that was uh, James Madison's Article 16, which basically said that the powers delegated by the Constitution to the uh, legislative shall never be exercised by the executive or the judicial. And basically he set up a whole separation of powers thing there. We have Nick in the Pomo on KVEC. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi, Dave. Hi, guys. Hi. Uh, what, what's your guest name again? This, I'm is, sorry. this is Stu Jenkins. Stu Jenkins, thank you for being on the show. Well, you're welcome, um, Nick. You have you have elevated my intellect one notch or two. <laughs> um, well, thank you. So thank you, um, and uh, and thank you, Dave, for having it. But yeah. anyway, the point is, is I guess. You know, a lot of people are very religious about the Second Amendment right and all that, but we have to take a historical perspective on it. Truth is, there was there was not an AR-15 in 1790-whenever the Bill of Rights is right, written, right? That's there absolutely was, true, there Nick. Was, there, there wasn't such a thing. There wasn't a machine gun even at that point. And so when people take it literally and abuse it, that's simply... Number one, dumb people, and number two, the gun lobby. That's my view. That's 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 all they're doing is working that thing, and and they're working it to sell more guns. And I think it's sad, and I think it's a sad testament about manipulation of the fundamental characteristics of what makes this country a great country. Well, it's got a response. And, and I wish too. people would be more understanding of that. Hey, Nick, what do you say, well, Stu? I, I I happen to agree with you. I think. Um, that if you have uh, weapons of mass destruction, and I think an AR-15 or that style of weapon, uh, it, it belongs in military combat. And uh, if folks want to participate in military combat, they should join the National Guard. They should join the um, Army or, or, you know, the military forces. Um, and... And we need to have a connection between the responsibility of handling that massive um, destructive capacity and and actually training with it. What else, Nick? Well, I mean, the, the other thing, too, is that a lot of people are like, well, the military lets us have it. Yeah, but the military also makes you block it up and leave it in a locker when you leave. Your, you know, your 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 day of responsibility. They they don't let you just walk around with it randomly, and that's 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 another aspect of it that the military doesn't allow. And uh, yet, the Second Amendment, manipulated by so many parties, has created the allowance for it. And I think it's a crime because we look at the death that's been created, yeah. and it's and it's uh, heavy. Still. Well, thank you, Nick. And, and you know, at the time the Second Amendment was uh, adopted, people belonged to the militia, and they elected their own officers. They'd come down twice a month to the town square. They drilled, and the officers could see who was responsible, and they could counsel people who weren't responsible and train them. And, and frankly, they would kick out people who couldn't. You know, we're wingnuts. All right, Nick, thank you. We go to Sean in San Luis. Hi, Sean. Hi, I just joined in, and I I found out it's a discussion just in general um, about... The Bill of Rights. rights. Today's today's National Bill of Rights Day. 
Oh, it is. Yep. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. I'm just busy do. dealing with uh, the holidays. But yeah. hey, I hope you're all doing well. We are. Thank you. We are. I, I wanted to mention. Um, you know, I'm definitely a supporter of the right to bear arms. But one of the things I think that there's a lot of confusion in, and I don't think the confusion is with gun owners necessarily, unless you're a gun owner that doesn't know laws. I've been and a gun it, owner since I was nine, so person, I agree with you. Well, a per, yeah, a person who owns a gun uh, should know the law, because if you don't know the law, you, you could potentially um, be committing a felony. Um, I think the big confusion along a, a lot of times is people think that it's just across the board. It's a, fed, it's a federal thing. But state to state, there are different rules of, sure. of gun ownership. Right. Yep. And I and I, that's the most, and that's, uh, maybe I'm being redundant on that, but um, I, uh, maybe I missed something and that was already said. But I just wanted to say that. And then the other end is just, um, uh, there are certain things where, I mean, I think it's the same thing even too, and not to, not to open up a can of worms with abortion. I think that's what was kind of discovered, what was um, kind of clarified with the Supreme Court when it came to abortion. It does have to do with your local legislature and your state laws. So that's why I always tell people, be, a, be an advocate, support your local legislature, and, and support your beliefs and how you feel, because the state is um, in charge of operating the laws and bylaws of, of things such as um, abortion, which is a human right, and, and protection for your rights. Um, yeah. all right. So I think there's a lot of confusion with that. Anyway, that's, that's all. Yeah, Sean, thank you so much for calling in. We'll talk about it now. Thank you. Well, Sean's uh, absolutely right. Um, you know, this is the base. There's an organization called Run for Something. You want to take responsibility for how your legislator works or how your city works. Uh, you know, you you need to get involved. And that may mean you should run for something to make sure your views are reflected or and that your neighbor's views are reflected. 805-543-8830. Welcome to your phone calls for Attorney Stu Jenkins as we remind you that today is National Bill of Rights Day. John's in Atascadero. Hi, John. Hi, John. Tony? Oh, no, it's Tony. Tony. Hi, Tony. Sorry. <laughs> I thought maybe it was another caller. Craig, uh, Craig so, flipped you into John. You're okay. That's all right. Hey. Uh, so two things. First off, what you said, the right to keep and bear arms. It didn't say what type of arms, because I think that they knew that things were going to change. Technology may have changed uh, their the arms to protect yourself. So, yeah, sometimes I think it's a little bit much as far as uh, some of the capacities and machine guns and stuff. But the other thing is, is that they used to be able to, or you used to be able to go through a course and uh, sign up, and they would send you an M1 grant from the federal government. Well, yeah, you know, um, as I've told Dave from time to time, if you can't defend your uh, family and your community and your state and your nation with a uh, .30-06, you're not much of a shot. Uh, it, it, it used to be that everybody was trained on this. We had ROTC in, in high school in San Luis Obispo when I was a high school student. And, um, you know, I was in the Civil Air Patrol. We drilled. We learned how to use weaponry. But you also had people who made sure to train you and um, help you understand the awesome responsibility you were taking on with a weapon. Um, because, you know, it's, it's not just a toy. 
And I think I think we've uh, the whole idea that the Second Amendment talks about a well-regulated militia actually reflected in the uh, amendment itself the idea that there had to be some responsibility and some regulation. Uh, and, and as I say, at the time, all the militias, most young men at 16 were a member of the militia. They had a they had a weapon at home. They would bring it down. They would uh, be in the town square. They would drill. They elected their own officers. And there was actually a structure to how they were handling those. Yeah, what else, Tony? And that's what I was thinking, though. But that's what that, my point is, is the government would give you a gun. So if they didn't want you to have it, why would they give you one if you qualified for one? Well, they, they, because at the time, almost, you know, your grandfather would show you how to how to safely use a gun. That That's not happening these days. All right, Tony, thank you. 805-543-8830. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We're talking with Stu Jenkins about the National Bill of Rights Day today. Our mutual friend Larry Martinez is listening. Hey, Larry. Hey, Larry. He writes on the text line, the fear of Madison and others was that if you list the rights, that they would establish the limit of rights, and they believed our rights to be unlimited. Hence the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, the wide-open amendments that say the list is unlimited. Well, that's not exactly unlimited, but yes, that's true. And in fact, that was one of the reasons that Madison had opposed putting a Bill of Rights in the National Constitution when he was in Congress and proposed the Constitution. But the the interesting thing, when you're taking a look at the original parchment, uh, this is not TV, so I can't yeah. show you. Um, the the uh, what he had as the his fifteenth amendment was the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people, and that that is now our ninth amendment. That was unchanged by the Senate when it was proposed. The Senate changed the final amendment, which was the 17th, which is now the 10th amendment, and it it had read the powers not delegated to the or not delegated by the Constitution or prohibited to the states are reserved to the states respectively. And what the U.S. Senate did was they added comma or to the people. Charlie's in Pisbon, KVEC. Hi, Charlie. Hi, how are you guys? We're Mr. Good. Jenkins, years ago, I remember you were involved in some sort of a case that involved, what was it, civil rights about something, using something, or people on the street? Wasn't oh, that, that it? You, didn't you help the homeless? I, 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 sued yeah, the, that was it, yeah. I sued the city of San Luis Obispo with my buddy Saro Rizzo when, uh, when all of a sudden, uh, after 25 years of uh, moving the homeless to Prado Road, the city concocted a uh, plan to drive everybody out of town. Yeah, I remember that. It was really good that you guys won on that. You really did a lot of work, and it was really fantastic. My only other question was, where's the connection between the ACLU and civil rights? I remember years ago, there used to be an active ACLU chapter in San Luis Obispo. From what I understand now, the nearest one is Los Angeles. What happened? Well, um... You know, this actually there's a, a connection to the Bill of Rights because 
The one thing that has never happened in the Constitution and was not added to the Bill of Rights was the apportionment of the federal courts. And so if you turn the state of California over onto the East Coast, if you just take a map and take a drawing of California. And flip it. Flip it. Yeah. You, you won't kill any people that way. Um, <laughs> you, it would cover all or part of 11 states. And if you start looking over there, there's about 55 or 60 federal districts in all of those states put together. And and so, you know, the farthest you have to drive to a federal court is uh, from one end of Delaware to Wilmington, and it's about 90 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have one federal judge over there for every... 200,000 people. Over here, if you want to go from, uh, you know, Shandon to the federal court, it's almost 300 miles. And so uh, the ACLU doesn't get up here much. Uh, You can see, and in fact, we started a chapter of the ACLU a few years ago, and we finally closed it down because no matter what happened, uh, no matter what kind of problems we told them about, this seemed to be too far for them to come. I, oh, I see. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Charlie. Thank you. Last part of Larry's text. The states have a right in the Bill of Rights, the 10th, which reserves the sovereignty realm of the states. At a wedding, you are wed by the state due to the 10th Amendment. Well, yes. That's true, Larry. And, uh, Weddings happen under state law, and, of course, then the question comes up, why was polygamy outlawed in Utah when they, you know, there's a right of free religious exercise, and under the Mormon faith at the time, uh, polygamy was part of the the Mormon faith. And, you know, the— the truth is that until there were negotiations between the territory of Utah and the federal government, uh, that you know that's what changed that in the state of Utah, because uh, the rest of the country would not admit Utah until that was changed. All right, we will come back for a final segment with Attorney Stu Jenkins as we acknowledge today being National Bill of Rights Day. I'm Dave Congleton, and you're listening to Hometown Radio. Well, we have a text coming in, it's a long, long text here, but basically they want us to talk about the freedom of the press. But, but the freedom of the press is not absolute. Texas mentioned Julian Assange. You don't have the right to spell out national security secrets. Well, you can, you can take it to court. I don't know. You know the, the, You're going to have to come back. The real question is, are you going in yourself, uh, and I believe that's what Julian Assange is charged with, uh, to get some of these uh, national secrets, or are they leaked to you uh, by somebody who is committing a crime? And uh, the, you know, the Watergate Papers case is a good example where there were secrets leaked to the Washington Post and the New York Times, 
And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't prosecute the papers for publishing this information because there, there is a, you know, Congress shall pass no law abridging the freedom of the press, freedom of speech. The use of the word abridge is interesting because it covers a lot more ground than just forbidding the press to publish. What's the easiest way to find the Bill of Rights? The easiest way to find the Bill of Rights is to go online, and you can Google the Bill of Rights, and you can get the full text. If you uh, want to look at the original parchment of James Madison's proposal and how they got marked up in the U.S. Senate, you can Google, uh, did I say James Marshall? James Madison. <laughs> James Madison, pardon me. Uh, James Madison, uh, original Bill of Rights. And how do people find Stu Jenkins? Well, they can find me at uh, com. That's S-T-E-W, Jenkins.com. You have 30 seconds for final thought. Uh, my final thought is this is a good season to sit down with your kids and your relatives, pull out the Bill of Rights, and read them. They're important to us. And explain them. And, and talk about them. them. Talk about them. Ask questions. Debate them. I got 13 seconds. You've been here before. You know the drill. I say 30 I, seconds. I, I mean 30 seconds. You mean, I, I, you, you, <laughs> You're an attorney. Anybody has questions, they can call me at 805-541-5763. But you don't do divorces, do you? Uh, I, I hung up my spurs on yep. that. So if people want to get a divorce, they got to stick around and listen to Kristen Becker, the if, divorce coach. If they need an estate plan, I'm your guy. All right. Thank you, Stu. Off we go. Bye-bye. News, traffic, weather, and divorce. Straight ahead. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.